the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Well, great to have you join us on the program today, and we've got a great guest joining us on the program today. It's always such a delight on this show to get a chance to meet pastors from throughout the greater San Francisco Bay Area, get an understanding of not only what God has done in their own lives, but as well what God is doing through their ministries and the tremendous work that we see in so many churches across the Bay Area. You know, if you travel around the country or sometimes around the world and you identify yourself as having been from the San Francisco Bay Area. It's not unusual for people to say, oh my goodness, that's the city that God has abandoned. He'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You hear things of this sort. And yet, in fact, there is not just a remnant, but a very strong body of believers here in the San Francisco Bay Area that are standing up for Christ, that are seeing God do wonderful things in their midst, and most importantly, seeing the kingdom, the Lamb's Book of Life, added to day by day. And certainly our guest today fits in that category. Not only a fascinating background in terms of ministry, but a fascinating background educationally as well. Joining me today is the executive pastor of Lighthouse Christian Church of Novato. We are pleased to have with us Pastor Gerardo and Pastor Terry Gerardo. Good to have you on board today. Greg, thank you so much. Great to be with you and all the wonderful listeners. Really excited about this opportunity to talk with you and share about what the Lord is doing at the Lighthouse. Boy, lots of, lots to unpack. And let's kind of start, perhaps, if we can, Pastor, with my opening remark. You know, we, we do hear that, and I'm sure you've heard it as well. You've, you've traveled both nationally and internationally, and in that sense of, well, somehow God has forgotten about the Bay Area. But, but those of us that live here, we certainly know that isn't true at all, is it? it it's really not. You know, I'm actually a, a, a local, local boy. I uh, was born uh, in San Francisco. And then you and I were talking beforehand. Your family came from uh, South San Francisco. I lived in South San Francisco for the first two years of my life. And then uh, finally say that I, I helped move our family up to Novato when I was two years old back in 1961 and have spent the rest of my life mainly in Novato, believe it or not, growing up here, going away to college, living in Italy for a whole extended season then coming back to the Bay Area and making my home here, got uh, married and uh, have children and have raised our children uh, here in Novato. So very familiar with the Bay Area, very familiar with uh, Marin County and the North Bay for sure. And just very thankful for what the Lord continues to do in these great communities. I, I came to Christ here myself as a very young young man as a as a teenager uh thanks to my parents bringing me to church and exposing me to jesus and reading the bible at home and praying together and then at the appointed time the holy spirit moved on me and i gave my life to christ i asked forgiveness for my sins uh, in tears in my bedroom i remember the day and the lord and it just had this unbelievable relief and reassurance that came over me through the holy spirit that i was in god's family forever and uh my sins were forgiven and uh i proclaimed jesus as my lord and savior and many others have done the very same thing different circumstances perhaps but coming to christ and then continuing to live our lives in christ and wanting to be a blessing through our lives, through our families, through our communities, and through our church communities to share the gospel message, the great news of Jesus Christ and the in unbelievable gift that he provides to us of his very self, the relationship that we have. So, yeah, no, I, I have a, a, very, uh, uh, a, a very clear take on 
this area and what God is doing also in this season. And, and is this then perhaps, Pastor Gerardo, a, a matter of perspective or viewpoint, sort of that either glass half empty or glass half full? And I raise that question because some will say, well, my goodness, Pastor, you're laboring in a part of the country that has some of the lowest per capita church attendance in the country. And so there can be that glass half empty perspective, but I, I kind of look at it another way. I look at it as what a tremendous blessing and opportunity that has been given to us in that the 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 field in which we can labor and disseminate the good news of the gospel is all around us. We, we don't have to go out and find people that need to hear the gospel. We just open our front door. We just go to work. We get on the bus and head down to the grocery store, whatever it might be, and you will encounter people that need Jesus. And so in my mind, this is really an incredible time to be involved in ministry for such yeah. a time as this, for such a place as this. I fully concur with that. That was so well put, Craig, and that's the way I see it, too. For me, in Christ, I always see opportunities. Challenges are going to be there, and the circumstances are what they are. But we have opportunities every day to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to share his love his unconditional love with us, and we pass that along to others, and the light of Christ and helping people with their lives, because we're all contending with very challenging circumstances. We live in a world that's filled with challenges, and those challenges continue to exist and even grow in some respect over time and shift, and sometimes there's new challenges. But we stay focused on Christ, and as we do that, we have ample opportunity to share the goodness the mercy, the grace of Jesus Christ with those around us. So I, I see it the same way. I think uh, part of it is is who who I am and who I'm hearing you to be in Christ. Part of it I know comes from my mom and dad who just had this really hardworking but optimistic view, thanks to the Lord, of his blessings every day and how they could have an impact on those around them. And so we've tried to carry on. So we're all a legacy of, of our families and our parents, for sure. And I'm very thankful for the example that they set. But uh, there's plenty of opportunity to share the gospel in Marin County and to encourage people in Jesus Christ to tackle the challenges and continue to remain steadfast to him and his values and principles, and then to see huge blessings, not just in our lives, but the real hope is to see it in the lives of those around us. I've got to believe when folks come in and you deliver the news that what you're going to have to send to the IRS in your 1040 leads somebody yeah. to cry. And I say that a, a bit facetiously, but not so much. Right, right. That God opens up unique opportunities for ministry in those kinds of circumstances. And I think it's an object lesson for all of us to understand that as much as we tend to sort of pigeonhole or compartmentalize our lives, they, they really can and should, as God's designed, overlap in every single way. I, I heard one gentleman put it this way. He said, you know, I run a large corporation, a privately held corporation, and I am the president of the company, but Jesus Christ is our CEO. And, and I posed the question, well, what exactly does that mean? And he says, Christ as the chief executive officer means that every decision that we make, we pray over, and we use God's word to, to guide us in, in precepts and principles and, and morality to make sure that the decisions that we are making is not only good for the company, good for our employees, good for our clientele, but in all ways honors God. And I think that notion of people better understanding that those two are not separate parallel lines, but should intersect at every moment of our life is critically important. It really is. We're not supposed to be compartmentalized where there's sacred and then there's secular over here, where it's all devoted to Christ. If we're following the Lord, and no one does that perfectly, and I don't pretend to do it perfectly, but with intention being devoted and being honest about wanting to honor God, which means putting him first in all things and then putting others truly ahead of ourselves, as scripture tells us to do. And 
we don't do that perfectly, but boy, if we're intentional about it and we ask for God's help, he will give us plenty of opportunities every, every day to walk that out. And then people will start to realize this isn't compartmentalized. It really is full devotion to Christ. And then Christ is invited into every area of your life. The thing that's interesting is, and I love the way you put that with Christ as CEO, for me, he's CEO, and at the same time, he is the owner. Years ago, when my brother and I had the practice, hey, it's your RCB, it's our practice. Later on, I would say, okay, it's God's practice. We're the stewards. We're here to serve Christ in the practice. And so it's just, but, but it's an important shift mentally, right? To think, wait a minute, everything we have comes at his hand and his blessing. And then the key is how do we use it to honor him? which means to bring glory to Christ and to live out his values and at the same time to bless others who we're connected with, who maybe we're serving or interacting with in the community. So once we are operating on all of those levels, it's it's much richer and it's going to have it's going to be more fruitful. And the business that I'm in, businesses are very different. The business I'm in, I actually interact with people all the time. And I interact with people, and those in our business do, with people during all moments of their life. It involves life circumstances, births, deaths, you know, life changes, divorces, other things, where we can be there to help out financially and also from a tax standpoint. And also business, we provide a lot of services to businesses but we're also there to minister if God opens the opportunity because somebody's going through a difficult season and they're coming for help with their taxes. But to hear somebody who's really demonstrating love and concern for them and who they are and what they're going through and to give them encouragement in Christ is so that's what I love about the marketplace. Jesus was involved in the marketplace all the time. Absolutely. He was out in his public ministry, just always out. Of course, he was he was in the synagogue. He went to the temple as a young boy. We know these things, and those are precious and special. But most of his time was spent out with people out in the marketplace and interacting and just demonstrating God's love and this incredible teachings that he has that the world had never heard because they're so special and because they're truly from God. himself. But this is how we want to orient our lives. And the interesting thing for me, while that was completely wonderful and exciting, and God was blessing this business, and we had a chance to even support other ministries through our business, then there's life in church. And I was very involved in church over the years, and God just kept opening up other doors. You just serve, you simply help. And then God makes sure whatever gifts he's given to you, he's going to put you in a position to use those. You don't have to force yourself, but you have to be available. And so I just went to serve at church, children's ministry when my daughter was, you know, a baby and my wife as well, and helping out in small groups and then helping out in areas of leadership. And then in uh, early 2000s, uh, I was part of a church plant in Novato, California, across Marin, and had to do everything from make the coffee to vacuum after the kids were done with Sunday school to helping out to preach on a given Sunday when Pastor Ed was away and trusted me to preach the word. I didn't even know what the Lord was doing, but he was grooming me to be a pastor of a church. And that played forward over time. And led to the point today where I'm fully engaged in pastoral ministry at the Lighthouse with a wonderful church that I'm just so in love with and thankful for. But I'm still very involved in the CPA business and I got family life. So the Lord, he likes to stretch us (laughs) and he's always there to help us cover what he's called us to do. Whoever, whom he calls, he equips. And, it does, and I think it's fascinating because there there is this sense then of of I think, and, and oftentimes people oppose the question. I, I'm trying to find out what God wants for me. I'm, I'm not quite sure what He's called me to. And I think sometimes the easiest answer is to just surrender yourself, make yourself available, and as you surrender and make yourself available, 
um, the the Lord will lead the way. You know, I think oftentimes <laughs> Christians kind of see the, well, the salvation part I get, and I yep. have surrendered my sins, I have confessed, and so now my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, all is well. But that second component, you know, Paul talked about working out one's salvation or, or that sense of, of now once you have surrendered your, your eternal destiny to Christ, to now understand that he wants you to do more, he wants to have you surrender the totality of your life to his lordship, whether that means his lordship over your marriage, lordship over your business, lordship over your ministry. And I think as we come to terms with what that means and that sense of, of surrendering and trust, he will certainly lead us, as, as has been your story and mine too. I, I will tell you, if you'd asked me 40 years ago, would I be sitting here doing this? I would probably suggest that you're, you're out on a day pass from Agnew State Hospital and the, white, the men with <laughs> yeah. the white coats are going to come and pick you up at any moment. But, you know, I think when we learn how to surrender, not only will God take us on amazing adventures, but we'll yeah. begin to find a place of true satisfaction Maybe not what you thought of, but it's what yeah. your heart is willing to do and what God has called you to do. And certainly in my own life, there has been no greater satisfaction than just simply saying, Lord, I don't know what you're up to, but you've opened the door. I'm going to walk through it. If you close it, I'll turn around and go another way. But surrendering to you and having you in the driver's seat in my life, my relationship, my, my business, whatever that when we learn to do that, God can really use us to the fullest extent and then strap in for the ride because it's going to be amazing what God does. It, it is so well said again, Craig. I fully agree with that. And the words come to mind, these precious words out of our Lord's mouth in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done, Father. He, he models, he's our perfect example in all things. He just models this out and it's how we have to submit. But then as we do that, and I love what you said, I, I fully believe this that we're supposed to be followers of Christ. And if he then, in following him, he's going to lead us in the green pastures. He's going to lead us in, in through the valley of the shadow of death at times, and we go through all kinds of challenges. This isn't just fairy tales. This is real life we're living here. But God is so present with us is the difference that we can have hope in every circumstance. But he's going to navigate through, and he's going to open doors and close doors. We just have to be aware of it. If you're trying to knock your head through a closed door, it's not going to work. It's like, you know, Saul kicking against the goads, you know, and then all of a sudden the light goes on literally. And now he knows he's called to serve Christ forevermore. And as you do that, as we become better followers, then God often will put us in places of responsibility in time where we're leaders. But Jesus, as our perfect example again, was the servant leader. He didn't come to lord it over. He came to serve. And so even our leaders need to come to serve. Even, even now in our church, we do this wonderful hospitality after our service where we have a full meal. Often yesterday, uh, Sunday, it was a barbecue because we had our final day of vacation Bible school and the kids were so excited and we had such a great Sunday school lesson and preaching about how, you know, our children are just a blessing of the Lord and how we raise them and how we discipline them, how we instruct them to follow God and know his precepts and follow his commands. It was all just really, really rich. Afterwards, the barbecue, the time spent together was fantastic. But even there on our hospitality teams, our pastors, our elders, serve or part of a cleanup team or part of a setup team to help out with the functions of the church. We're not above anything. In fact, there's a richness in serving because you're rubbing shoulders differently as you're working on helping out with any aspect of life and in ministry. So I think that um, it's so important to follow God's prompting and he will affirm it, too. If there's calling, and then he affirms the callings in our life, whether it's to be involved in business and family and pastoral ministry. For me, people in my own family, the Gerardo family, who I'm closest to, they, you know, I'm close to my whole family. But when God tapped me on the shoulder later in life to be a pastor at a cross Marin and then later 
merge in and become a pastor at the lighthouse and the lead pastor at the lighthouse when that all started unfolding i was just saying lord really are we sure and everybody else in my family and friends were saying are you kidding we actually knew this when you were a teenager you've been a pastor you've had a pastoral calling you have a you have a pastoral heart it's not to be puffed up it's just when you care you care you want the best for every single human being. You want the best for everyone who's connected with you in life and honor God by serving him and helping others and just being the biggest blessing we can be. And I know that the biggest blessing is sharing Christ, but then it's tangibly coming alongside and helping. If I'm in, we all are in places of need. We need support in different seasons of life. And it could be financial support. It could be health challenges and could be other counseling and areas where we need help in parenting or in relationship. God will provide help for us if we're open to it. And through the church community and the connections that we have, there's a wonderful opportunity to share and really be the hands and feet of Christ. And and we have a real very significant Christ care. We used to call it congregational care, but it's gone beyond our congregation. So now we just call it Christ care. It's people devoted in our ministry to meeting regularly, being informed, keeping each other apprised of challenges people are going through. We all get prayer requests every day from people in our assembly that get broadcast because they've asked us to broadcast it so we can pray for each other. But there are times when you have to be there and you can to intervene. As a pastor, sometimes you have to intervene to protect. Sometimes we can be there to give people rides or bring them meals or be there when they're up against it and they need other encouragement and support from Scripture and from prayer directly or over the phone, however we can reach someone. So it's it's really, it's for us, it's, it's, it's full on, it's, it's full engagement, if you want to call it that. Uh, which is honoring Christ by serving. And then, yeah, and, so that's a big part of our, our ministry. And, and really, you know, as you're sharing some of that perspective, Pastor Gerardo, I, I'm thinking that this is really exemplary of what it means to be a disciple and to make disciples. And, you know, the beautiful thing about discipleship is that's not a role that's a temporarily assigned to you, and then you graduate on to something else. A, no. a, even those highest within a church, you know, hierarchical position are nevertheless still always disciples of Jesus Christ. And for all of us, that, that means what does it look like in terms of both following him and yeah. emulating him and representing him before others and the, the, the richness of just really beginning to capture what that means and how life revolutionizing that can be not only for ourselves, but all the lives that we come in touch with. And that really, I think, goes to the heart of what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, our our mission statement at the Lighthouse, you know, it has to do, of course, with the Great Commission. Christ himself has given all of us the assignment, you know, to he's been granted all authority. And so we're supposed to go and share the gospel message and baptize people from all nations right? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then also the edification, the discipleship that goes on. It's a two-part. It's not just bringing people into the kingdom and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through God's grace, but it's also then helping each other to grow up into the fullness that Paul talks about, the maturity in Christ. And you see that in people's lives as they simply, not perfectly, but simply stay devoted to Christ, stay connected. And we see that so often. And it's so much in our heart when people really get rooted into a church community. You can worship God anywhere. You can worship God. People say, I worship God in the Sequoias. They say, yeah, me too. But on Sunday, and how do you worship corporately if you're not together? How do you come together to honor God uh, uh, You know, on a Sunday morning? You have to be together. And then it's the worship music, and it's all focused on giving glory to Christ and the beautiful music. It's looking into his word together and teaching and preaching that's narrow on the word of God, not just 
open and vague, but specific. What does scripture say? And let's be careful with how we interpret and understand scripture. And then how the fellowship that takes place, the opportunities to serve, but encouraging each other. Every time we're together, we get lifted up and coming to church and we have people and this has been a really amazing thing. If it's okay, I wanted to share this because we came through a season and it's still impacting us with the pandemic, right? And for us at the Lighthouse, we were, you know, doing church and excited about what we were doing. And then Andy Lewis, our, you know, promotion director and said, you know, guys, I really think we should be live streaming. This was in December of, of, of 2020 and um, uh, December before the pandemic came. And he says, I think we should be live streaming. We have people who live outside the area who want to participate with the church and people who are shut in. And so we started working on getting the equipment and live streaming. And I'm not kidding. Literally, we did our first live stream. We had our live service and our first live stream the Sunday that the pandemic was announced and then everything was closed down. It was, we, 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 this was so of the Lord. I said, wait a minute, do you see God's hand in this? Everybody said, yeah, that's pretty clear. God wanted us to do this and, and we've continued to do it. But then I said, you know something? The pandemic is hitting. This is a devastating thing for the world. And some people are losing their lives. Others are impacted and there's constraints now and they're trying to limit our ability to worship. There's a lot to contend with, and there's a lot of challenges that are here. What we are called to do in any season and every season is never to shrink back, but it's to step forward in faith. And so we prayed about that, and the Lord, the live stream was the first thing that he'd already brought into existence the week this happened, so we didn't miss a beat, and everybody was live streaming and staying connected, and then we got our phone teams together to contact people regularly to stay connected and help people and encourage them. And then in May, we realized, wait a minute, we're not supposed to be worshiping inside, but we've got this outside area. We started doing outside services for the first time in the history of the church, and people fell in love with it. We opened up before any other assembly in our area, as far as I know, because we had an outside area and we had the technological ability to set things up to do worship and preaching and televise it and do everything outside where we typically have all of our fellowship anyway. And people came and fell in love with it so much that even to this day, people say, hey, it's nice weather. Can we go outside again? Can we do an outside service? And it's really, it's so God has done things even through a pandemic where we said, no, we're stepping forward. And God has continued through the pandemic to build this church, bring new families, bring new ministries, birth new ministries. We've got a lose to Cristo ministry, which is, we believe in every every tribe, every tongue. Our mission statement, I wanted to read it, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people of all ages and backgrounds, to help each other grow in our faith and knowledge of Jesus and God's holy word, and to reflect the light of Jesus to our community and beyond. This is our mission statement that relates to our vision statement, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We know our scripture and to be the hands, feet, heart, and voice of Christ. And so as we start living this out and we have the faith for it, God's been opening up other things and new ministries at the Lighthouse. And we're just excited, so excited about what he's doing throughout this whole season, but especially right now. And we trust that there's more in store. There's other ideas that are percolating through the Holy Spirit that's, okay, Lord, wow, we can do this. We had a new parenting curriculum that my sister, Natalie McIntosh, developed. She's an educator. She's a dear sister in Christ. She and her husband, Jeff, he's one of our elders. She developed a parenting curriculum for these new parents because we have new families coming. We have children being born into this ministry and baby dedications. It's amazing what the Lord is doing in this season. And clearly there is a lot of exciting stuff going on at Lighthouse Christian Church of Novato. I want to extend an invitation to listeners. Maybe you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area looking for a new church home. We invite you to check out Lighthouse Christian. They meet at 1915 Novato Boulevard 
Boulevard in Novato. Sunday services are at 10.15 a.m. And you can get complete details by going online to LighthouseChurchNovato.com. That's LighthouseChurchNovato.com or call area code 415-897-5556. That's 415-897-5556 or again online at LighthouseChurchNovato.com. Com. A delight to visit today with Pastor Jerry Gerardo. Pastor Gerardo, thank you so much time for your time today and sharing your heartbeat and your passion. Well, thanks, Craig. It's my honor to be here, and I love hearing your words of wisdom, too. The way you put things are just right in sync with what we believe and how we are orchestrating our church life and, and our personal lives. But uh, I want to thank everyone who's listening and um, ask for God's blessing for each and every one of you. He loves us so much. He sent his son to give his very life for us so that we can have eternal life. It's the biggest blessing. We want everyone to know it, and we want to encourage each person in their walk with Jesus Christ. Again, more information online at LighthouseChurchNovato.com. Well, we've been preaching and teaching out of First Peter, but today we're not going to be continuing. We'll pick that up again uh, next week. We're in chapter two. But today I just wanted to share some things from Scripture that are things that our, our Heavenly Father has, has taught us or wants to teach us. And then I want to make references to our earthly father, Steve's, Natalie's, mine. We're, uh, our dad modeled these things out. Our dad was not perfect. He was the first one to tell you that. But he absolutely was intentional in honoring the Lord. And he fought the good fight, too. He honored the Lord to the very last breath of his life. And it's in such an extraordinary way. Uh, so it's titled, Things I Learned from Our Dad. So from our dad, our heavenly father, but also we learn these things from our father who modeled them out. But let's get started because there's a, a little bit to cover here. Um, the first point is this. God tells us how to love him and put him first. He does it in so many ways. Jesus, when asked what's the greatest commandment in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, it's recorded. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Love God unabashedly with everything you are and have invested in your relationship with God. That's how we're supposed to be leading our lives. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. See, we're children of the Father. As dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're supposed to love God above all things. Put him first in everything. And then when we do that, we follow his example and have the ability to truly love others the way Christ loved us. It's such a beautiful picture. And our dad did that in our family and for, for, and impacting many others in the community by, uh, demonstrating that to us. One of the things that we'll never forget was our dad, in the last days of his life, the last year of his life, when his health was going downhill every week, you could just see it, and you knew the end was coming, our father was so intentional in being in church every week. And it was a major effort to get him there. And Jeff, God bless you, and Natalie made sure, and others of us helped and were there in church with mom and dad, but... He couldn't stand. He couldn't. He needed help doing everything during the church service. We'd have to get up, and often it was Jeff. Uh, you know, sometimes it was me too. But to get him to the bathroom during the service and then come back because these were long services, he would not miss. He would not miss. It was such a statement to all of us, saying, "Wow, look at the dedication—not just to Christ, but to be in church to worship Christ with family, with brothers and sisters." It meant so much to us to see that because it wasn't easy at all. But it was so, so special. It was emblematic for us of how dad was still putting God first in his life. We love to see that. But he demonstrated that in so many other ways. Um, number two is we learn from scripture how to treat others. We learn from our father and our mother and others too, of course, who reinforce this, how to treat 
others. Matthew 7, 12 says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Do unto others the golden rule. Treat others the way you would want to be treated. Think about how you're treating others and put yourself in their place. How do you want to be treated? Treat them the very same way. He even says, Christ says, this sums up the law and the prophets. Put God first and then everybody else ahead of yourself. This sums it all up right there. If you can do these two things, you are absolutely walking down a great path and bringing joy and blessing to the Lord and to to so many others. Galatians 5.14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. These are things we've heard. We've read in Scripture many times. We've heard many times. But when you see people model this out, and our dad did, our mom did, they did it together. But it was extraordinary to see them in action, loving others and reaching out to help others in so many incredible ways. Ways. The fourth thing this morning is how to love and train your kids. Scripture is really clear on the importance, and we've had baby dedications recently, and we'll have some more, uh, but there's baby dedications. We talk about Scripture and how we're supposed to train up our children. Psalm 127.3 starts off by saying, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children are a huge blessing. We celebrate the children in this. We celebrate everyone, but our kids are just so precious to us in this assembly. Our own kids are so, so precious to us. We literally sacrifice every day so that they can have the best life possible. But the best life possible is life in Jesus Christ. And that's what needs to be trained more than anything else. But you have to absolutely value your kids so much that... Any sacrifice you make doesn't seem like any sacrifice at all, even if it's really hard. It's the natural thing to do. It's the supernatural thing to do, to love our kids, to bless our kids. Proverbs 22.6 says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Train up our children. In the word of God. And that's what we're doing in this church. That's what so many families in this community are committed to and doing. And that's what we talk about on a baby dedication. It's devoting yourself as parents to raising your child to know the Lord, to follow the Lord, to understand God's scripture, and to study it for the rest of their lives. This is the beauty of what we can do to pass on not just a legacy to our kids, but really help them to understand the importance of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and what he's accomplished for everyone who calls on his name. Ephesians 6.4 says, fathers, it goes on, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. As parents, we can exasperate our kids. Our kids can frustrate us, but we can sure exasperate our kids. And scriptures is telling us, Paul's writing in Ephesians, fathers don't do this. Do not exasperate your children. Instead... Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You can't bring somebody up in the training and instruction of anything if you don't know what it is. So it presupposes that you know and you've been trained by the Lord. Now you need to bring up your children. So we need to keep studying the word of God as fathers, as parents, uh, as anyone who has wants to have significance over the lives of others and in the lives of others. So this is what we're committed to doing. But as we do it, Don't exasperate your children. Do it with such love. And even when you discipline them, discipline them just like our Heavenly Father does for their good. Not to harm them. Not to truly punish them. There's punishments that are part of training. We get all that. We've experienced all that. Usually it was from mom. But mom was really a good disciplinarian with us. But dad was a disciplinarian too. And dad trained us up in many things. Dad happened to be our coach in life. He was our football coach. He was our basketball coach when we were young. And we had all these awesome teams that were undefeated so many years because of dad's intent on training us and helping us to be disciplined and and striving for excellence and doing a lot of really wonderful things for young people to grow up to then be able to incorporate into our lives, but he was our coach and he trained us and he disciplined us when we didn't do what we were supposed to do. And through that process, 
we grew up to know dad loves us, mom loves us. There's no mistake about that. There's no misunderstanding. And so if they're disciplining us, it isn't to exasperate us. It's actually to help us. And when you embrace that as a child, that your parent is really, even when they're disciplining you, they are helping you. It's a beautiful thing. You're going to learn and grow instead of continue to kick against and rebel, which can be our natural instinct. But as a parent, there is a tact involved and there's a wisdom involved, but it comes from a heart of wanting to bless our children in everything, even the tough things, even the things that require discipline. Mom and dad were intentional on everything they did in training us by their example and how they dealt with us and how they taught us to dealt with them, deal with them and each other in the family and then those who were outside of the family. Number five is how to be strong and maintain a positive spirit at all times. When we were growing up, we and our family and most everyone connected with us saw our dad as a force of nature. He was coming strong. Whatever he did, he threw himself at it. If he's going to help you, he's not just going to help you a little. He's going to throw himself at you and help you as much as he possibly can. If he's going to coach, he's going to do it with all his strength and wisdom and ability to help train up the kids. As a father, he did that in our household. He was amazing, but we had this kind of, you know, as kids can have with their dad often, it's like this, this, wow, Superman, until he gets to a point where you see that he takes a bullet and it actually hurts him or he bleeds. I'm talking figuratively, not literally, but you see that your dad's not perfect, but somehow you admire him even more for the fact that he's not perfect. He's not superhuman, but he's living life in such an extraordinary way that he's blessing us and so many others. We had this bigger than life picture of our dad and really a forceful person who did so many wonderful things, but he, he taught us to be strong. I shared this before, even in the coaching, we're playing flag football. We're little kids. We're 10 years old and you get knocked down. The first thing out of his mouth was get up before you hit the ground. He would yell, get up. He saw it happening. Get up, get back into the game. That's you don't stay down on the ground. And I told this story before too. And Steve knows it. Natalie knows it. Our whole family knows it. It's we're playing another team and their player gets knocked down right in front of my dad on our sideline. And he tells their player, get up, son. And the coach from the other team comes running across the field because he thinks his player's injured. And he's arguing with my dad, not even your player. He says, I don't care. He's not hurt. He's got to get up. And the kid bounced right up. The kid bounced right up. He wasn't hurt. He needed to be reminded, get back in the game. Dad, live life. Get knocked down. I do not care. Get back up. Get moving. Get moving, even with more devotion and dedication to what you're doing, perhaps. But he just had this great way of coaching us and demonstrating what it meant to be strong in truly physical situations like that, but also in life circumstances, because life throws curveballs at everybody. Everybody here and everybody you know is going to go through tough times, extremely tough times, unbearably tough times, all of us. And dad went through those two and had a strength in the Lord and reminded us. And for me, apart from griping at officials at games and you know, referees, dad, my, I don't see my dad as this complainer. He was always positive. He'd always positive. You know, if he was around during the pandemic, he'd have things to say, which was to keep going, get up and keep going. Don't 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 be woe is me. Let's move forward. But the truth is, he modeled that out for us. And one of his precious comments, no matter how well things were going, like in business, people, hey, how's business going? Maybe it's not going the greatest. He goes, really good. But don't worry, it's going to pick up. There's always this positive view in his life. I mean, things can be going in the toilet. And his answer is, it's really good. Oh, yeah? But don't worry, it's going to pick up. That was his view in life. That was the positive spirit that God gave him that he passed on to all of us kids that we're doing our level best to pass on to our kids as well. So 
being strong and having a positive spirit, you know, it has to be in the Lord. It can't be in our own effort. We talk about this a lot. In our own effort, it's destined to not produce anything of value. If we're doing it unto the Lord and we have the strength of the Lord in our life, then we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? We know our scripture. We know real life. We're walking this out as followers of Christ. And it's only in God's strength that we can do these things. But when you see other people, and this is our father, my, our dad that I'm talking about, walk it out this way. This is how you do it. And this is how we do it. And this is how we want to continue to do it. But it's how we should all do it. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. When the Israelites are ready to finally come into the promised land and Moses has passed and they've gone through 40 years in the desert. Now the time has come and God's going to bring great victory in the promised land and Joshua, who now has to lead the people, is seeing this incredibly overwhelming task. And the Lord has to remind him directly several times. You read it in Joshua 1 several times. But one of the times is, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You have to be strong in life. You have to be courageous in life, but the strength and the courage comes from the Lord because he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And if you follow him, you will be fully protected throughout life, no matter what comes your way. Whether you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we have people in this assembly who have, and some who are right now in the very toughest circumstances, and if they keep their eyes on Christ, they're going to come through this in such a different way. And I'm so proud to report they are. They're looking to the Lord. They're trusting in the Lord even when things seem from a natural standpoint that they are insurmountable. They are not. Christ has it covered. It's amazing how we can trust in him. Philippians 2, 14 and 15 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. We can all find ourselves grumbling at times. For many reasons. We can all find ourselves arguing at times. But scripture is very clear. God says not to. Don't grumble. Don't argue. Trust in God. Continue to work on your testimony before the Lord. It's one of the things I so appreciate about Jeff Young and hearing all the stories. He was just devoted, devoted, devoted to learning, studying, being in Bible studies, teaching Bible studies, you know, serving, modeling Christ, and growing in the Lord in such a powerful and beautiful way. No grumbling, no arguing, becoming blameless and pure. This should be our goal in Christ to continue to become more like him. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture in the midst of a lot of ugliness. You will you'll be children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Do you know how easy it is to be impacted negatively in a warped and crooked generation? I don't know if this sounds familiar to anybody. This could be written today for sure, with the things that we're experiencing, but we can still have our testimony, which is honoring God, loving all, staying true to Scripture no matter what, and God will help us to become more like his son and to have a bigger testimony, and it's going to shine like the stars in the sky because when things are dark and getting darker and the light is shining, it's going to get brighter and it's going to be seen by more people. If everything's light, you just see light. If you see light in the darkness, it's when we look up into the heavens and we see the stars in the sky. It's like, wow, there's light there. Dark darkness everywhere else. Light there, light there, light there. That's what we're supposed to look like in this generation is the light of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs to know him too. The sixth, sixth lesson that, that I identified that I wanted to share with you is how to work hard and strive for excellence. This is something our dad modeled out. This is something mom modeled out for us. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 reads this way. Whatever you do, 
whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. When we realize that we're in this world and we're not supposed to serve, you know, and and chase after and lust after this and that and even wealth. We're not supposed to lust after these things, have wrong views of it. But it's very clear in scripture that we're supposed to do everything with our whole heart in Jesus Christ and with excellence. You're going to be a spouse, be an excellent spouse. Commit your life to it. You're going to be a parent, be an excellent parent. Commit your life to it. You're going to work Work. We need to work. Do it with excellence. Don't just do it to get by. Do it with excellence, Scripture says. And do it even when you're working for someone else, like in a company, for example. Although, you know, it's not in, in these verses today, but it goes on later and talks about slaves, even how slaves should be working for their masters. Extraordinary teaching. But the point is this. You're not working for the person who you're working for. You're working for the Lord in all these things. So work unto the Lord in all these things. Serve him. Set the great example in him, not just because you want to gain favor with your boss, your employer, or whoever we want to talk about in an organization. Do it all unto the Lord and commit yourself to doing it with excellence. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, this is the real reward to look for. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Our dad taught us that. Our dad had to learn that. But when he learned it, he was more than happy to pass it on to us later in his life. And it was a remarkable thing when he shared that with us and we could see the transformation in his own life. It was beautiful to see. He always worked with excellence, but he told me later in life that it was at a point in his life when God shared not just this scripture with him, but this insight that everything he does needs to be done unto the Lord. So in essence, he was referring to this scripture. And then his orientation of his life changed further to honor God in even, my view, more remarkable ways than everything he had done before. So it's so important to understand what God's standards are and is to strive for excellence for the right reasons not to get puffed up, not to get accolades, but because we're serving God. Do your very best in everything you're called to do in every aspect of your life. Psalm 128, 1 to 3 says this, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. It's a beautiful picture of blessings. Those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience, you will eat the fruit of your labor. You labor so that there'll be fruit. You can eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. God wants us and tells us throughout scripture and sets the very example for us that we're supposed to be productive in him in so many ways. That's also in work, in work work. And if we're called to it and that's our role, we need to do a good job with it. And if we don't, there's other scripture that talks about what happens to somebody who's lazy or a sluggard or doesn't apply themselves. There's consequences for that. Of course there are. But God's standard is different. Do everything with excellence. The last point this morning is how to serve Christ by serving others. Point number two was how to treat others, just how we treat them, how we love on them, how we, you know, how we connect with them. This is actually how we serve others, but how we serve others is truly by how we serve Christ. Matthew 25, 40 says, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we're serving someone else, we're actually serving the Lord. Jesus says this point blank. It was shared yesterday because it was perfectly appropriate for Jeff's life. Pastor Pat shared that scripture when he was sharing about Jeff's life and the impact of it. So much that Jeff did was, again, not for the limelight, but simply to help and to serve and to bless And he did it with so many people. And he did it with people who were friends, who were brothers and sisters in Christ. But he did it also for others that were just in need. 
to go to a convalescent hospital for 30 years every month and to serve people and to connect with them and to bless them when a lot of times their own families aren't even going as often as they should to be with them. That's an incredible service. And so it's serving the least of these, right? Well, we can all be the least of these. I'm just going to say that. But the point is, you're serving the Lord. Realize this. Anything that you are called to do is in service to the king. And the king will keep account, and he will reward, and he will bless, and he blesses in the moment as you serve him, and then there's rewards in eternity, message for a different day, that are so important to even consider too. There's crowns of glory in heaven for how we serve Christ in this life here. So make every effort to serve others, because in so doing, you're serving Christ. Dad modeled this out for us beautifully. Mom modeled this out for us beautifully. And together they accomplished so much. And it was a sacrifice. It was a stretch. But I didn't hear them complain about it ever. It was, we need to help. Here we go. In fact, there was no conversation. They just did it. And then we would all learn and talk about it later and learn and learn and learn some more from them. And their example that just kept going. It was to serve others. And they knew in doing that, They were serving Jesus Christ. These are just some of the lessons that God has for us in Scripture. They're all really important lessons. But again, coming back to how we then model these things out, how we live out these things, but how we model them out for those around us. You might not be a father. You might not be a mother. It doesn't make any difference. You have your opportunities every day to model these things out in so many beautiful ways to honor Christ and to impact others around you in such a beautiful way. And I'm proud to report this assembly is committed to this. This is what we're doing week in and week out. And I can't tell you how appreciative I am of all of you being devoted to Christ. None of us is perfect. None of us is pretending to be perfect. But we're not making excuses for saying we don't want to be perfect. We do. And... We're going to press on no matter what challenges may come. We're going to stick at what God's called us to do, which is to put him first in our lives and first in this assembly. We're going to put others ahead of ourselves. This is how we're going to live our lives. And it's how we are living our lives. And we need to grow up into it because there's so much more to do. But that's a good thing. God is giving us plenty of opportunities to model these things out. But coming back to fathers for a minute, make no mistake, fathers, the impact that you're having on your children and do your level best in Jesus Christ through prayer every day, through your own devotion and and Bible study, through your own training, through everything you do to model this out for your kids. People have different fathers, right? Our father, I said, wasn't perfect. He wasn't. But we learned so much from him. We were blessed that way. Not everyone's had that kind of father. Many have. Some have not. That's okay. We have our heavenly father. That's why let's go back to, these are not lessons from Ed Gerardo. These are lessons from the Lord that Ed Gerardo helped to pass along to his kids. So let's learn the lessons of the Lord and let's apply these and continue to do that and be dedicated to it. You will see huge difference in your children if you do this and you're committed to it. You will see huge differences in your own life. You will see huge differences in your relationship with your spouse and your loved ones. You will see huge differences in the community as we continue to grow up into living this out as beautifully as we can and supporting and encouraging each other every step of the way. That's one of the beauties of community. There's many more. Pastor Terry Gerardo from Lighthouse Christian Church in Novato, 1915 Novato Boulevard in Novato. Again, more information online at lighthousechurchnovato.com. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website, 
to Church of the Week at SalemSF.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor in church, along with a link to the website and email to Church of the Week at SalemSF.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.